0: You're listening to the Center Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This month we are going to be once again looking at the five heart attributes of the church. And I think it's important that we, on a regular basis, come back to what are we all about as a church? What is, what is the purpose of us? Uh, you know, we, we have our ministries we're doing during the week, we have our Sunday services, but where is this all going? What's the priorities of the church? And really what we're going to be looking at over this this month is we're looking at the heart attributes, but the overflow of the heart attributes or the values of the church comes the vision, right? What are we what's important to us? What's important to us helps shape where we're going. If it's not important to us, then we never build out of that. We never have a vision or not, there's no faith that comes from that because if it's not of a value, then, well, it's of no importance. But I believe the five heart attributes of center church are actually the heart attributes of, should be the heart attributes of every church. But importantly, as our church this is the church, obviously, I feel responsible for. There are areas that I, I see have to be foundational things that we build off of. That kind of are heart blood, are, are the things that shape what we're doing in the future. And we're going to start by looking at the very first one being enlarging. Okay, we looked at this May last year, um, but we're going to unpackage this by looking at a story in the Old Testament. And you might wonder as we look at it, how on earth this has anything to do with today. But I hope as we move through it, you'll understand the connection. Now... We're looking at a story in 2 Kings chapter 7, and it's a story about a time in Israel that there was battle, there was wars, as often is the case when you read through one and two kings. But in this particular time, Samaria was under siege by the Arameans, and it lasted a long time. This is a time when Elisha was a prophet in the scene, and if you read the whole story, you see there's a lot of things that are going on. Uh, at this time, a lot of prophetic words that are spoken over different people, and it's a very interesting story. I encourage you to read the whole thing. We're going to only look at one aspect. But in this time, Samaria was really under under siege. It, it was a challenging time. There was no trade coming in or going out. There was um, there was no food, absolutely no food, to the point that a little bit earlier in the story, from what we're going to read. Uh, children were, Parents were starting to bake their children, eating their kids for food. You know it's bad when that starts happening. It was not a good sight, a good time. They were in dire, they were in a dire state. In fact, it's probably not very dissimilar to what's going on in Syria and some of the places where places are under siege right now. Same thing, same scenario. This is current day warfare where bombs are coming in. But then, you know, these were walled cities. And if there was no coming in and going out, a city can only sustain itself for so long with nothing coming in. Right. And this was the state in which we have the story. And so we're going to read the first couple verses, which is 2 Kings, chapter seven, verses three to four. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. And if we stay here, we will die, okay? Have you got the thought process? So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we will live. And if they kill us, then we'll die. So there's three scenarios, right? What are the three scenarios? They do nothing and do what? They go back into the city and do what? Die. Or they do the third option, which is go to the enemy and possibly live. Yes. So that was maybe a 50-50 chance, right? They said, well, at least if you look at the average, of kind of the, 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 the odds, at least there's a chance. If we go into the enemy camp, they might feed us. They might do something with us. Again, these are lepers. So in the city, that would have been outcasts. They were at the gate because, you know, they were untouchable people, right? They were Contagious. This is before modern day medicine. They were contagious. So they were, they were already ostracized. They were in a place. If, if people in the city had no food, I mean, they, they would have had nothing. These guys would have had nothing. No hope. And so they think, you know what? This is a scenario. If, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go, we're going to possibly, if we go to the enemy camp, we possibly, um, may find what we need. What a desperate situation. Now, as we keep reading the story, in verse 5 to 8, we see this. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there, like a ghost town. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp out at once and ran for their lives. Now the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver and gold and clothes. They went off and hid them, then returned and entered another tent and, and took some of the things from it and hid them also. What? A gold mine. Can you imagine, just think of the the situation up to this point, your prospect is death, right? As we've already looked, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city today, we possibly could live if we go over there. But actually the prospect was slim there as well. They are lepers. And it would have been obvious even to the Arameans. You're coming into camp, bringing leprosy, bringing a disease. There's a kind of little chance that you're going to survive, but they get to the camp and there's nobody there. Now, this was a vast army, so there would have been lots of tents, lots of animals, lots of all sorts of food and provisions. And there's four guys for a, a, an army worth of provision. Yes, that's the scenario. And they go from one tent and they go, whoa, there's money. Again, these guys would have been beggars at the, at the, at the gate, they had money, all the resources they could have ever wanted were at their fingertips. They went, and they had food and they ate and no doubt it was a party for the four of them. Can you picture the situation? If you were there, would you not have had a party? I mean, this is like winning the lottery. Without having to buy the ticket. This is a great experience. Everything, every need is met, everything that they possibly could use was there. As we just even pause in the story at this point, there's a lot of similarities actually to our lives. You know, we might not be in a situation where our, you know, Burgess Hill is being laid siege by some other country. But actually, in our spiritual sense, before we came to Christ, that, that there was a siege in our hearts, right? There's a siege in our lives. In fact, when we look at the s- surroundings around us, there's, People who are ensnared and enslaved to something that they're they're dying to try to get out of there's a deep hunger in people's hearts there's a, there's a deep thirst for something that will satisfy you know physically we can be hungry and and, and long for some food but actually deeper than a, a, a physical hunger is a spiritual hunger and a spiritual hunger is sometimes it's not as, as clear where it comes from but We try to fill it with all sorts of things. We try to fill it. If I can just get that career, if I, if I can just get that, that woman, or if I can just get that man, or if I, if I can, maybe it's, maybe it's through other things. I I need to satisfy something deep in my heart. But no matter what I do, I can't satisfy it. It's like there's something holding me back. All around us, there's people who are thinking right now, there is no hope. If we were to go door to door this afternoon in Burgess Hill, and if people were completely transparent and honest, I bet you there'd be many, many people who thought, think they are at the end of the line in their lives. Many, many people. Yes, they might not be under siege. Yes, there might be food in the cupboards. But it doesn't mean there's something deep in their hearts that's that's dying on the inside, longing for something of greater significance. They may be trapped by life and circumstances and turning to all sorts of things to maybe satisfy that. This is the reality of the world in which we live. Would you agree? However, just like the story, God has provided deliverance. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan is out to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that may have life and have it more abundantly. I've come that actually everyone can experience the fullness that I have for you. The lepers stepping into a camp, they had more than enough. Would you agree? They had everything that they possibly could ever dream of. You know, when we come into Jesus, we have everything that we need. More than enough. In Jesus, it isn't like we have just our little portion for today. Actually, in Jesus, we have the keys to the kingdom. We have every provision of heaven on earth. We, it's at our fingertips. Wow. Happy days. He was anointed. Jesus was anointed to preach the good news to the poor. He had, he had a good news to preach, didn't he? To, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoner, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the anointing. This is the calling upon Jesus. And when he came to this earth and he he lived and he died and he rose again, he he made available all of this provision. And so although the, the enemy has laid siege on people's lives and even upon our lives in the past, maybe even still presently, Jesus has come and he's delivered us. In fact, the deliverance has already happened when the when the lepers went out of the camp, the deliverance had already happened. They just weren't aware of it. The same thing could be for us. We can be sitting in a position of being enslaved and feeling like there is no hope when the provision is right there in front of us. Jesus has already accomplished it. It's, it's a finished product. It's it's just outside the camp. There's deliverance. The lepers had to come to a point where they said they had nothing to lose to go to the enemy's camp. That was ultimately where they were at. We've got nothing to lose. Sometimes people need, we need to come to that place of saying, you know what, if I stay where I am... I'm gonna die. And if I go back to the lifestyle I had before, I'm gonna die. So I'm gonna give Jesus a chance. Because I've got nothing to lose. How many of you have come to that point before you came to faith? Where you came to that point saying, you know, I've got nothing to lose. You know what? When we try to hold on to our lives, we lose it anyways, don't we? But when we come to a point of saying losing our lives, we find true life in Jesus. Going across the enemy line, so to speaking, and making that big jump into the unknown is where we find the deliverance in Jesus Christ. Jesus came on a mission to redeem us. And just like the siege against Samaria, Jesus disarmed the power of the enemy and triumphed over them by the cross. This all happened without our awareness. The four lepers and the rest of the, the city of Samaria had no idea what was going on. 2,000 years ago, we had no idea what was going on. We weren't even alive. And yet, behind the scenes, Jesus was conquering sin and death. Behind the scenes, there was something happening, something shifting in the spirit realm. And the enemy was disarmed 2,000 years ago. That's what happened. And we were completely unaware of it. But it was for our sake it happened. It was for the sake of the Samaritans that, that... They were being delivered. God was was moving behind the scenes. Although the Samaritans were completely unaware, God was fully aware and he was on the move. The provision had happened. Now in them, now in him, there's this freedom for those who are hungry, Jesus says, you'll be satisfied. I mean, for those for the lepers, they came out of the city and 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 there was there was more than enough to satisfy their hunger. For those who are thirsty, Jesus says, you'll find living water in me. Now, for those of you in this room who've given your life to Jesus, surrendered to him. You've come to this place, as I already mentioned, you've had nothing to lose and you found everything in Jesus. I know for me, that's true. You've discovered the good news of God's salvation. And just like the four four lepers, isn't it great I don't know about you, but the day that you give your life to Jesus, isn't that a great day? Come come on, people. The day that the light comes on in your heart and you realize everything you've ever longed for is in Jesus. Isn't that a great day? It's a day that your heart leaps. And I know we've had various testimonies over the years from this place of people's lives transformed because something happened. When they gave their life to Jesus, all that they thought they had in the world or what they were looking for was found in Jesus. It was this happy day. We wake up in the morning and we have a hope in a future. We may have went the day before feeling despair, but we gave our life to Jesus. And the next day we live for something greater than ourselves. Whoa, happy day. We have an experience of his grace and his forgiveness, even though we're unworthy, the leper worthy of of all the provisions of the Arameans. Were they worthy of it? No, if anything, they were the lowest of all, yet they were the first to find the provision. You know, you and I are not anything special, but the Bible says while we were still enemies of Christ, while we were still against him, he died for us. He made this provision available. And so we can experience, although we're unworthy, we can experience the provisions of heaven, of his love and of his grace and of his mercies that are new every morning because of his, his amazing love for us. What an awesome thing. And I hope that we're taking back from the enemy enemy's camp what he's stolen. We're seeing our lives restored by his power, all because we received the good news Putting our faith in Jesus, trusting in Him with our lives is so easy, yet so profound. Now, here comes the point of my message. All of this is good stuff. Here comes a point. In the story, the lepers had a realization. And in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9, it says this. They said to each other, We're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. They were keeping the good news to themselves. They were enjoying a private party. Can I tell you what? Church can easily be a private party. All that I've just said, all that we've experienced, all the the enjoyment we have of knowing Jesus, we can easily keep it to ourselves. The four lepers came to a point of saying, you know what? Although we have more than we could possibly need, we need to let, there's people in the city walls right now dying and we're enjoying everything. This isn't right. Again, they were outcasts. They would have every right to maybe feel rejected by the palace by everyone inside the walls, but they had a realization. This is a day of good news. You know what the gospel is called in the New Testament. I want to say it is good news. This is not bad news. What Jesus did for us is not bad news. It's good news. You and I, if we're here today and we've accept Jesus in our lives, we have good news. Something has shifted in our hearts. We've been set free. We know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that's good news, guys. Can I tell you why? you got good news. Very good news. News has changed your world. The church is called not to have a private party or a holy huddle, but we're called to be the light of the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have come to know Jesus in your life, you've been equipped with the good news that the people that are dying around you need to hear. It is not an option for us to keep it to ourselves. Jesus never gave that option. In fact, he calls us to be his ambassadors, to be his witness. In fact, he gave us his Holy Spirit to enable us That when we testify about the good news of Jesus, we would have a power in our lives to do it. So it wouldn't be about our own strength and kind of building up our own kind of courage, but actually there would be a boldness of his spirit in us to empower us to be a witness around the world. That's our calling as a church. That's our heart attribute as a church that actually we are called to enlarge his kingdom, to share the good news. You and I have come out from a place of of enslavement and, and death in our own lives to a place of life and life more abundantly. And that life that we have needs to be shared to people who do not know that life. They are your neighbors. They are the people you're working with. They are the people around our lives. Each one of us is called to a mission field. Unfortunately, when we come to Jesus, it isn't just for us to come and retract and just be on, on our own. But actually, God calls us to go into all the world and make disciples and share about Him. This is the heart attribute of the church. Every ministry needs to look with a future vision and perspective of being a light into the world. We are not called here to To put it under a bushel, to to cover it up. It isn't good that we, we enjoy the provisions of heaven, and yet people are out there thinking there is no hope. When we found the hope of Jesus Christ. We are not doing right as a church if that, if that happens. And can I say, I grew up in the church, and, uh, for me, I don't necessarily have a life of crime before Jesus. Being saved from all of this stuff and then coming to this understanding about Jesus. Actually, my my life has kind of been I grew up in the church. I grew up sitting in the second row. Second row right right there. My dad was an elder in the church and I sat beside him in every single service morning and evening. All the early days of my life, I was at kids club. I was at youth club. I was at every club that the church ran. I was there. That is my story. And there's a temptation for me because I've grown up in the church to say, well, that's this. We just keep this to ourselves. But I'm well aware that God has saved me from a whole lot of stuff that I could have otherwise lived in or gone through. But just because I haven't tasted of a lifestyle doesn't mean my my testimony is not valid to those who have or those who are in it. Again, what struck me about John's life, as we heard yesterday, someone who in his 50s turned his life to Jesus and something transformed in him. And he was a light into the world. Something I pray is contagious in us. You know, we might not be called, we may not have the gifting of evangelism. And I'd be the first to admit, I don't I don't think I'm a great evangelist. It doesn't. It's not necessarily gifting, but God calls all of us to do the work of an evangelist. God calls all of us to, to, to be a light in, in dark places. He calls all of us to bring his kingdom into, into environments that otherwise there is no hope if we don't shine the light. That is our, our calling. And as a church, the very first thing that we're sharing in this month is this hard this attribute of enlarging. Guys, we, we were unworthy when Jesus called us out. And yet he calls us to then represent him to the world around us. Guys, we have good news that needs to go out from this place. And I'm challenged right now as I look at the church and feel in some ways that we can be very insular in what we're doing. And there's a, there's a something that's stirring in my heart of how we continue to look outside the walls of this church, how we engage with the community, how we as a church are a light in this area. Again it's so easy to run nice programs inside the church but guys we we got to beyond get beyond this Again we kick why are we doing things with with the children's ministry why what's the importance of this why are we raising finances to to reach kids because we have to who else will do it who else will save the next generation if it's not us This is our field, our patch. This is our area. And if you and I are not doing it, who is doing it? You see, we are the four lepers in Burgess Hill. Yes, there are other churches who have other areas of responsibility. But, you know, we have our own patch around us. We have our own Samaria sitting right around our church. And if we aren't the ones going out with the good news of, hey, there is freedom. There's love. There's grace. There's Mercy that we can find, there's forgiveness we can find, and if we're not the ones presenting that message, who is? It isn't the responsibility of some other church to do our work, but actually, it's it's our calling. And I do believe that in looking at, at the children around us, why are we do it, I there are some holes in the whole thought process of how we're gonna organize the busing system and when the kids come who are they going to sit with how is it all going to be organized there are a lot of details i know that we need to work through but i i guess i'm the kind of the person that says let's just boldly step out and let's work out the details as we as we come to them i pray that we can fill a couple busloads of, of kids on a sunday and they'll be here and i know it'll be disruptive and i know they'll be unchurched and it'll cause some people to feel uncomfortable Maybe we should just do the kids' ministry from the very beginning of the service so they're not in this space. You know what, guys? Let's, let's believe that God can touch their hearts. And then through even the children, let's believe that we can reach the, the parents for Jesus. We may not have the finances at this moment, but you know what? I believe God, as He stirs in our hearts, He's able to make every provision possible. It's a step of faith. Into a bit of an unknown. I know in the past this church bust kids in here, didn't they? For those of you who've been in the church for a while, this isn't it's kind of funny how we we do the things that's already been done. But there are seasons, I think, where God says, Okay, move forward in this. It's not just children we're needing to reach. There are a lot of isolated older people in the new year. We're gonna be launching with other churches. Not this is not something we're working on our own, but a befriending scheme very similar to time to talk. In Brighton, we're going to be launching the same thing in this area. And as a church, we want to be on the front lines of reaching people who are isolated at home. There are a lot of people in Burgess Hill. In fact, when we look at the national statistics, Burgess Hill has a very high percentage of isolated older people. Do you know that? There are a lot. There's a very high percentage of isolated older people. And we think they're not around us. They are. They're just in their houses. You never see them. But as a church, God calls us to the good news, to be the light in their dark places. They're at the end of their life thinking there is no hope. No one cares. No one loves them. That's what we're here for. There is life that they can find in Jesus, and it's never too late. We're continuing to reach out in Brighton. Can I tell you what? Brighton is a city under siege by the enemy. We've been working in Brighton for 10 years and over and over. We just see the grip of the enemy upon that place. Does it mean we give up thinking, you know what? Just let it be. No, we have a good news. There's a light that needs to be shone in that place. that continues to sign for Jesus. Hope is not found in sex. It's not found in drugs. It's not found in partying. It's not found in alternative lifestyles. It only is found in Jesus. And if we are not the light in Brighton, who will be the light in Brighton? Again, there's this is passion, I guess, in my heart of why are we here again? It's much easier to say, well, let's just stay in Burgess Hill. It's so much easier if we don't have to do two campuses. You know what? God hasn't called us to that. I'm sorry. God's called us to enlarge his kingdom. And I can I tell you that in Brighton, in East Brighton, there are thousands, if not over 100,000 people, and we are the church for those 100,000 people. We are four lepers. We are the boy with two fish. We don't have much to offer, but we do have good news. We might not give the provision that everyone needs, but we do have someone who can. And our mission as a church is not to keep the good news for ourselves, but it's actually to be engaged with that. That's our purpose. And again, it's a challenge for us in Burgess Hill because we think well, with the downs kind of separates us from them. And so it's easy to kind of Bunker down in our own situation, but actually God calls us to reach out. They go into all the world, and for us, all the world includes Brighton. Why do we run Alpha? We run Alpha so it gives an opportunity to invite people to hear about the good news. This is an opportunity, a kind of an easy opportunity for us to say, you know what? Here's good news. I know your life is falling apart. You're struggling with your marriage. There's things going on in all sorts of situations. But you know what? Here's an option for you. Some good news to listen to. Have a free meal. Enjoy some good company. And discover actually there's a God that loves you, has a plan for your life. We have the good news of Jesus Christ, and we've been entrusted with the mission of telling the world this needs to be our heart passion as a church. Can I tell you what? Each one of us has a part to play. What has the Lord done for you? Earlier in the message, I talked about all the, what the Lord has done for us, and we were all excited about that, because I think for many of us, we've experienced many of those things. But you are the beacon in your world of hope and light. No one else can be in your shoes. In Romans 10, 15, it says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want you to look at your feet right now. Come on, look at your feet. Your feet are beautiful because they're here to bring good news. God is giving you feet so they can go out and bring good news to someone who desperately needs to know. Were the feet of the lepers beautiful to the people dying in the city? Absolutely. I, can I tell you what? They did not care that these guys had leprosy. Once they heard that there was food on the other side of the wall. What a great mission we have. What a great empowerment God has given us to go and tell, to let our light shine. You know, thinking of the, the demon-possessed man who Jesus went across the lake, only witnessed to one person, set him free, and the demon-possessed man just desperately wanted to go with Jesus back in the boat. But what Jesus says, no, 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 you need to stay here And tell everyone what I've done for you. It'd be very easy for you to join the holy huddle over here, come in the, come in the club, but actually your mission is to tell the world what I've done for you. And you know, that's, that's for you and that's for me. Our mission is to tell the world what Jesus has done for us. I was talking to someone this last week and you know, one thing you can't argue with is someone's testimony. You can argue about theology, you can argue about religions and all, but you can't argue with someone's experience. Your experience is something that people cannot challenge, because if you found the light and you found hope. That's what it is. Guys, we're a church that needs to keep moving forward, needs to keep reaching out. And it's not easy, and it's much easier to not. But can I encourage us as we continue on this month and as we continue looking even in this new year, that we would shape our ministries, that we would shape what we do as a church with this perspective that we're called to go out. We're called to be the light. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been in church lots of times. Can I tell you there's good news? It's not found in this building. It's not found in an organization, but it's found in in the person of Jesus Christ. And all it takes is us to give way to Him. Say, God, here's my life. I choose to put my faith in You. Forgive me of my sins. And you know what? God says He comes by His Spirit. And He begins to change us from the inside out. Only by faith in Jesus. Can we be saved. Can you stand with me please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at